welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace, here again with Freya Spence, and today we welcome to the show Mike Moons to discuss acupuncture and the crossover between Eastern and Western medicine. Mike started his career in healthcare 12 years ago as a registered nurse in both ER and gastroenterology medicine. He went on to study acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine and now combines his knowledge and experience in neurology and medicine with Eastern medicine and acupuncture. His main area of focus is treating orthopedics, sports injuries, pain both acute and chronic, neuropathies, chronic stress, post-concussion syndrome, and sleep disorders. Mike is a big believer that people have the ability to heal themselves and his overriding goal is to help facilitate this process. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. People out there can't uh, can't see what just happened, but I was reading the intro off of my screen, and it probably took me about 12 takes to get that done, so we are now in a very, very jovial mood. That's a tough word. <laughs> yeah, that uh, concussion really, really... Post-concussion. Post-concussion syndrome. <laughs> Dane might be concussed, or he's just jet-lagged. One or the other. Um, so, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about your background in terms of what first got you into medical health? Um, I think it was in grade 10, grade 10 or grade 10 or 11. And I, I always kind of knew that I was going to go into the, uh, the healthcare field. I was either just going to go to, to be a doctor or nursing. So I like kind of weighed the, the pros and cons. Cons being eight years of school was a big one for me. <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, I basically chose nursing, um, basically because I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to be in the health industry. Um, but again, I also didn't want to go to school for eight years. So that's how it started. And then, um, so I, I, was, I went to Windsor for four years and then I started right off in emergency. So I jumped right in and it was, uh, it was intense. <laughs> I was going to say, what made you pick yeah. emergency yeah, medicine? Yeah, sure. That's not a nice way to like ease into nursing or no. any sort of healthcare. It's not, but emergency is one of those places where it's good for somebody with who, who isn't very good at uh, time management or is feels better in kind of chaos. And that's kind of what emergency is. If you're, if you're somebody who likes, you know, it has to be A, B or C, you're not going to do well there. And my brain doesn't function on A, B and C. It functions on A, maybe a little bit of D, back to C, all over the place. <laughs> so you never know what's coming in the door. And that's what I liked. Uh, and, you're, you're speaking my language. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> So yeah, I like that 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 coming into every single shift, and you have literally no idea what what's going to come through the door, what kind of patient you're going to have. Uh, they're all going to be different, and I kind of just kind of thrived in that. It was good. I mean, we all need different, or sorry, we all have different strengths, and yeah, I could see that you actually even Dane would do thrive extremely well with chaos. But that's where I imagine your wife is less chaotic than you are. The complete opposite. See, there you go. This is where opposites do definitely need to match up in order to manage life. Nothing would get done. Um, I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. I'd be (laughs) out there somewhere looking for directions. Once again, you're speaking my language. I very much know that game. And this one right here, it does a lot to keep me alive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I cook. She cleans, does all the organizational stuff, tells me where I need to be and when, and it works out. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so at what stage did you sort of decide that ER medicine was just no longer the right fit for you? 
I think it was probably around. So I, I, I ended up moving to Vancouver um, and doing travel nursing. I was working in uh, trauma centers and also um, uh, remote communities in northern British Columbia with um, the indigenous populations. And I just started to get a, a little bit burnt out. The healthcare system changed a lot from when I started. When I first started, the emergency room would function as, you know, you, you get all these, these emergency cases come in. By the next morning, the majority of them are gone. Or you didn't have this, uh, all these admitted patients like we do now. So over the years, that slowly started to increase where, you know, you'd finish a night shift and you'd have five admitted patients. Then it went to eight to 10 to 20 to 40. By the end, you weren't really doing emergency medicine. You were doing hallway nursing. You were doing hallway care. Wherever they could find a space, patients were getting stuck there that should not be stuck there. So that kind of started to wear me down. And then I was always I was kind of looking for something along the alternative health line. I've always been into alternative health. My mom's a health nut. So she kind of influenced me there. And I was always just looking for something, but never really found anything that really... I identified fully with and then I herniated my neck and then that kind of was the the spark believe it or not so just a casual neck herniation yeah, sure. just a casual <laughs> couple discs exploding it's not a big deal can can you walk us through that injury a little bit yeah, absolutely uh, so I was um, I was doing uh, CrossFit at the time which was as very early early stages back in 2010 11 we're laughing because CrossFit gets brought up on every podcast. Yeah. It's very rare that it doesn't. Maybe maybe two or three it has not. But yeah, um, those were the early years. Definitely. In CrossFit's defense, like there's no reason I should have been doing some of the, mo- the movements I was doing. But again, at the time, you're like, people are doing garages and stuff. So anyways, I was doing an overhead press with too much weight, neck forward, as everybody tilts their head back. <laughs> And uh, I felt a pop. It was it was a pop, and I was like, "Ooh, that that felt a little weird. I've never felt that before." But there was no pain, so I kept working out. Obviously, so I was doing some more exercises. I noticed my right arm wasn't quite working as well as the left, and I figured something was wrong. But anyways, being the immersion nurse that I was, I never got it checked out for another week, week and a half. Couldn't move my head off the bed. Felt like I had like a bowling ball attached to my neck, and. Uh, Sure enough, two herniated discs. What level of herniation were they? Uh, So C5, C6, and then a small one, C6, C7. Those are the most common neck ones, and they seem to be increasingly common with our forward head carriage population. It is, definitely. So you herniated some some stuff in your neck there. (laughs) And then you got it, you finally got it diagnosed. And then how did this injury lead you to acupuncture and Chinese medicine? Well, when I look back, I would say that that neck injury was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because once that happened, I tried everything. I tried standard physio. They, they tried uh, anti-inflammatory, everything. And I just kept getting flared up. It was, it was brutal. Um, and so somebody, I don't even remember who recommended acupuncture. And I was like, acupuncture. I'm like, what's, what's that going to do? Um, but I tried it as a, and I quote, last ditch resort. And I hear that every day in my clinic. And so that was me. So I tried it out. Um, and after that first session, I just knew there was something to it is the first thing that gave me relief. And I was like, I walked out of that. I remember walking out of that appointment, just being like, wow, like 
there is something to this. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that was a spark. And then from then on, I, I made the next five years of my life a plan to move back to Toronto, go back to school, uh, work full-time as a nurse and do nights and evenings as in school for acupuncture. And off we were. Here we are. <laughs> Make it sound so easy. <laughs> yeah. So the irony of that is that you did ultimately do the eight years of school. Seven, but yeah. You just made it harder <laughs> because you were also working full time during those last yeah. few. So there's a little bit of irony there that I appreciate in that story. Mm-hmm. Don't make decisions in life based on fear. I think that's the big <laughs> takeaway with that. Exactly. No, but I do think that's that's really interesting because a lot of the professionals that we've had on and ourselves are included in that feel like they haven't really started their learning until they get massively hurt. Mm-hmm. which is terrible to say. It's not like I'm saying, oh, yeah, go out there, bust yourself up, and then you'll start learning. It's yeah. more just that it's a layered thing where, you know, we're young. We feel like we're in- invincible. We feel like we have a good handle on what health is and, you know, taking care of ourselves. And you weren't lifting in order to do damage. You just kind of thought you're doing the right thing, you know. So we And then, and then we get our legs kicked out from underneath us or in, in your case, your neck and your arm kind of important. I've had that same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, faced with some really rough realities and, um, some of them too, especially when it concerns the spine are frightening because one of the first things we often hear is that if physio or chiro doesn't work, then we may have to look at surgery. Exactly. And that's not something to muck around with, especially at a young age. And especially when we don't really have great options Mm -hmm. in that realm. I was offered uh, that by two surgeons, actually. You're having this pain still. Let's fuse your neck. Bingo bongo. Seemed pretty easy. And if I didn't have my background and what I did, I probably would have done it. And the reason why I didn't is because I know and I knew what was out there. Mm -hmm. So I can sympathize with patients now who I see all the time who go to, you know, see these specialists. I have herniated disc here I have a herniated disc here and that conversation then becomes less of what's on that MRI and more of what led you to have this in the first place which is the bigger discussion and I think once people understand that and they can see how I can change or we can change with acupuncture their pain without even addressing that herniated disc they're like wow holy like holy shit like well, and I think you also hit the nail on the head in terms of addressing what brought them there. Um, many cases, uh, or sorry, in many cases, people speak about injuries as if it was this one catalyst moment. And I guarantee that, yes, in that moment you felt that pop, there was a one moment, but it was because of all the other ways that you had pressed or loaded and the stress that you were under perhaps at work as well with shift work, the quality of your tissues overall. And it's that backstory to the injury mm-hmm. that's just as important in how you treat it and important, uh, even more important in how you don't have it happen again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Like I remember before that happened, like I always, I, I would feel things here and there. Um, but again, like you said, I, I was 20, whatever, five years old. I'm like, nothing can stop me. I'm, I'm the man. And then, boom. So it's just things that it, along the way that I didn't know. If I knew what I know yeah. now, yeah. back then, like things would be completely different. Yeah. 
And so I use every instance where I've injured myself and there's been a few and I'll have patients be like, how do you know so much about this? I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> uh, it's happened to me. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's the best education you can get it, is injuring yourself. Well, it is. And I mean, I have a congenital thing that predisposes me to injuries, but I can't blame that for the only reason I've had injuries like this is it's also how we live and do things but I can definitely attest to the fact that I've learned more from them than I ever did from my anatomy courses Mm -hmm. and clinical biomechanics and injury courses were great but again once you're in it and you experience it and Mm -hmm. then you watch what works what doesn't work and then you see a patient where they have the quote-unquote bunny quotes, same thing. And you watch how their body reacts or doesn't react. It's very interesting. And that's, sorry, but like in, in vivo is the best way to learn it all. I always laugh when you say that you have have this congenital thing. It predisposes me to injury. I'm like, yeah, so do I. It's my decision-making skills. (laughs) (laughs) You're not special for We all have things that predispose us to injury. Uh, (laughs) Some are just a little more under control than others. You know, that whole bit. So, I think acupuncture is, is, this is a great topic and I'm really happy we have you on the show today. So can we maybe talk about, even before you had your neck injury, maybe mm-hmm. some of the misconceptions that you thought prior to knowing more about acupuncture right. about it or other people might think, you know, acupuncture does versus what it doesn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before I had acupuncture, I really didn't know that much about it. I, you know, being in the, the medical field, it's especially at that time, it was like looked down on. It's like it's almost like this mystical medicine kind of thing. And so and that was my perception of it. It was like, oh, geez, what's this guy going to do? Thinking it's just like this crazy energy kind of thing. And so once I had it, I was like, whoa, like there's, there's definitely something to this. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally convinced that it's this theoretical model of uh, energy moving around, but there's something happening here. And so as my career went on in my, my education, I was, I was always trying to piece together, how does this relate to medicine? Like how does, like, and, I, and the thing that kept coming up was neurology, the nervous system. They seem to go hand in hand. And the more that I learned, the more I saw the overlap. Mm-hmm. Fascial systems. Like if you look at textbooks from 2000 years ago, uh, the sinew channels in Chinese medicine are almost exactly the same, mm-hmm. right? So it was Thomas Myers, this big innovator of fascial lines. He may have made it what it is, but if you look exactly at those lines, they're almost identical. Mm-hmm. So in Chinese medicine, they understood how the body worked, even though they didn't understand what was happening, mm-hmm. whether it's a nervous system, fascial system, cardiovascular system, they saw in patterns. Mm-hmm. So they treated in patterns and didn't treat just symptoms. So when I was learning Chinese medicine, I had to almost shut off my Western brain because it was yeah. kind of limiting how I was interpreting, interpreting the medicine. It's very black and white. Yeah. I almost dropped out of school in the first semester because I, I called my teacher and I said, like, I don't get that. Like, I, I just I can't buy into it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, and we're taught in such a reductionist way that to then stand back and try to just accept like you said, the patterns or accept mm-hmm. kind of this global thing and that it will make sense over time is frustrating yeah. when you've always been taught in a very linear reductionist way. Yeah. And I remember that phone call very clearly. I remember leaving class and, and we were talking about something in Chinese medicine. I don't know if it was like yin to fishy, some, something. And I just left and I was like, 
I know what he's saying. Like, I understand it. Like, I get what his comparison is, but I'm like, it's just not registering with my brain. Like, how can the liver course energy in the body when it's meant for all this other stuff in, in, in Western medicine? I'm like, I just don't, it's not processing in my brain. And his advice was just, you got to forget all that stuff for a little while and just take in this medicine and then you'll be, you'll be set because you'll be able to relate the two. Whereas yeah. if I didn't understand the Western medicine part of it, I might miss that, that gap or miss that bridge. So yeah, that was interesting. And then, so I did what he said and I tried to forget everything that I knew. And then I tried to go to work the next day and I try to remember it. Say. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went back to work to remember yeah. the things yeah. and then forget them again. Yeah. Somebody come in and be like, Oh, I got like uh, acid reflux. I'd be like, Oh, heat rising. Okay. <laughs> And so I try to compare all these things and it was helpful. And I'd be like looking at people's tongue, you know, when I'm spraying the back of their throat, doing a scope or something. And some of the nurses be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I bet I, I, I said, I guarantee this person's got like esophagitis. Or I, I bet yeah. you this person has something. And then a lot of the times I was writing, they're like, oh my God, how'd you do that? <laughs> and so that was my in yeah. to the nurses and the doctors. Cause at first I thought I was crazy. Yeah. I was like, what are, you, what are you back in school for? I'm like, acupuncture. Like, you believe in that stuff? I go, no, I, do, I don't believe in it. That's why I just invested three years of my life. Yeah. You so know, those, to... yeah, those must have been incredibly like, I mean, I mean, formative years, but also very much like you're trying to figure stuff out, but you're also yeah. like a little conflicted. And it's like, okay, what, what is what here? But like, you would have had so many cool experiences. Well, I bet this is this. Now yeah. let's look at that. And yeah. is it going to be the thing? Let's... Yeah. And so I was in a u- unique position because I... While I was in school, I was seeing real clinical patients as well in the hospital. Whereas a lot of my colleagues or classmates, they weren't. They were just seeing what was coming into the clinic. So I could like relate a lot of this stuff and see the overlap starting to happen. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they, you know, a lot of the nurses there were kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. But then they'd start to have problems themselves. And then one came up to me and would ask me about this. And then I'd give her some advice. Things changed. You got better. And then all of a sudden that spread and then somebody else came up to me like, okay, like, you know, with a question look on their face, like, okay, like, what about this? I have this and this. Can, can acupuncture help? I go, sure, absolutely. We can try. And then I would explain it mm-hmm. in Chinese medicine, but then bring it back to now you see how this is very similar to the functioning of the human body from a Western standpoint. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh God. And I could predict their symptoms based on not even asking them. Like I look at their tongue, feel their pulse. And they're all just like, whoa, how did you know that I have irregular periods? And so I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Irregular periods. That's what drop, everyone drop the mic and I just walk, <laughs> walk away. away. Like, well, uh, I'm, I'm laughing, so sorry to interject right now. But within all of my own stuff, I never responded super well to certain types of aggressive treatment. And by that, I mean more invasive, like chiropractor and physio. There are a couple colleagues that are by designation chiro, but they never used high velocity adjustments on me. So that's obviously different. I'm not lumping it all together, but I just mean the, the more aggressive forms of treatment under those headings were ones that my body would, uh, reject Mm -hmm. uh, like violently, violently ill. And so I did go into, um, being treated by an osteopath from the UK, I don't know, a dozen years ago or so. But in that time also incorporated um, acupuncture. And the funniest thing was the first thing he did was look at my tongue and then proceeded to ask me a bunch of very pointed questions that were more or less like he had just described 
the entire workings of my body over the last week, including like, oh, you didn't sleep from this hour to this hour and you didn't do this from, and you had this many bowel movements and you had, and I was like, excuse me, what? So when I referred Dane there uh, about a year ago, I, I said, just like, keep an open mind. The assessment is very different than what you're used to. Definitely. And he's like, he knew all these things based on looking at my tongue. But Dane's first reaction was actually to reject that. 100%. He goes, he goes, I don't, I don't overthink. I don't do this. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> you don't overthink? You've been waking up at night thinking about that injury. You've yeah. modified everything within your day to day about that injury. And immediately it all sunk in. And Dane was like, shit, yeah. <laughs> there's try, something try to, to do this. That years while you're going to school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't until the third year that I was kind of like, oh. Oh, wow. This stuff actually yeah. works. Like I'd be treating yeah. people in clinic and, and you know, for, for stuff that you wouldn't think acupuncture would help with, like yeah. insomnia, like GI issues. And I'd treat them and they'd come back and they'd be like, yeah, I've actually felt like a lot better. I'm like, really? I'm like, <laughs> I almost didn't, I almost didn't believe it. I'm like, no matter how many times I saw it happen, I was just like, wow, like there's, this is crazy. <laughs> right. And, and so my joke with, um, at the hospital was, you know, eventually doctors started, asking me questions and they say you know like now that I get referred patients from them and they'd say like they send me these really difficult patients and like not expecting me to do anything and then when we do something they're like I'm like yeah they're, they're actually a lot better like oh, really like I just go yeah it's placebo really good placebo <laughs> they're like oh, tasty placebo yeah, the best placebo ever right well changing function with placebo well and on that note too like I said so I went to see this uh, acupuncturist and it was because I was having this nagging kind of ache in my right side and this was in the months after I'd stopped competing in strongman and I figured it was just something that something's happened to my diaphragm or something's going on that I suffered while I was training so hard and I'd been I changed how I slept at night and I was just during the day I would I was always trying to figure out like, what is it? Like what's yeah. causing it? Like what, what, what can I take out at the gym? What can I put in? Like how mm -hmm. can I change so many things? And so of course he looks at my tongue and he's like, you're overthinking too much and you're holding too much anger. Yeah. And then I was Did like, you get pissed off? <laughs> well in my head, I'm immediately, I'm immediately just like, okay, well those are off base. But like for us to keep it open mind, like, okay, just like, just, just try keep it open mind. And then I'm walking home. I'm like, I don't overthink. I'm not too angry. And I'm walking. <laughs> and I'm walking on the street, and like somebody's walking super slow. In front, and then I'm like, speed around. I'm like, why the hell do people walk so slow? And then I'm just like, oh man, why am I so angry? I am angry. I'm like, why am I so angry? Like, oh no. And then Freya pointed out the thing about the sign. And I was like, oh man. And no joke. Yeah. The pain went away after like a couple of weeks. Yeah. And this goes back to your point. I want you to discuss a little bit more about that so that our audience can understand. Is the the nervous system, right? And even just where we put thought, we can today decide that our finger hurts. And if we keep putting thought to our mm -hmm. finger hurts, our finger hurts, it's eventually going to hurt, even though there's no actual tissue damage. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned earlier the involvement and the overlap for you between Eastern and Western medicine was neurology. Mm -hmm. So can you chat a little bit more about sure. that? So I guess... I'll first talk about the Chinese medicine portion of it. So in school, you learn it's more meridian based. So if I'm treating somebody and I do a lot of like orthopedics. So if I'm treating somebody for, like you said, like right sided rib pain or whatever it may be, the Chinese medicine approach would be the meridians that go down that direction. And there's a problem with that meridian. So a lot of times that can be manifested in the tongue as well. And that affects that meridian. So that's why they can look at your tongue and say, 
geez, there's something going on with this guy's like spleen or his digestion or whatever, or they call it liver chi stagnation, which is like that anger kind of thing, which presents as rib sided pain. So back in 2000 years ago, they didn't have the luxury of, you know, dissections or understanding the nervous system. So they, they basically just looked at patterns. So this, a lot of people were angry and had rib sided pain. So they said, we're going to connect those two. And that's part of the liver meridian, part of the problem. So they would treat different points on the body or they'd be sensitive. Uh, so between the toes is a good liver point uh, between your big toe. So why is that point always or for the most part sensitive in people with, you know, like anger issues, headaches, typically like that heat kind of rising up. And so that they labeled that as a liver point. So they would put a needle in it or back then it'd be like a dagger or something and symptoms would get better. So they came up with a theoretical model to explain that in terms that they understood at that time, which is, you know, this chi that's in the body is moving around. When it gets stagnant, it, it gets angry. And then it like heat always wants to go up. So then it's pushing everything up mm-hmm. um, or pushing things out because it wants to get rid of it. Because it's mm-hmm. The liver likes to move. And if it doesn't move, it gets stagnant and feel that pressure in your chest. So they would treat that and it would get better. And then over time, develop this medicine. And I think that's what's the really cool thing about Chinese medicine is it's not treating, it's not treating symptoms. It's looking at patterns in your body and, and turning it into a holistic view, more of um, constitution based, mm-hmm. right? So you're fixing the constitution. And so when we look at what I do now, which is more of like a neurofunctional acupuncture, those points typically correlate to where nerve innervation, innervation happens, where trigger points develop, mm-hmm. where motor points are. So they had the right idea. They knew exactly what all this stuff was. They just didn't, they had different words for it. Mm-hmm. So in, like chi stagnation, all this stuff, uh, liver three, the point for to innervate that, that nerve is right where there's nerve innervation. So the connection between those things and physical ailments is pretty strong, mm-hmm. um, especially with like orthopedic style. It's like I watched somebody, a really high level uh, neurofunctional acupuncturist do a treatment on a specific hip injury. And so as he was doing it, I was looking at it and I'm like, this is the exact same treatment almost that I would do if I knew nothing about neurofunctional acupuncture. I'm just approaching it a little bit differently. I'm using electroacupuncture, I'm using motor points, but the, the points themselves were pretty much in the same area and they were treating the gallbladder meridian, mm-hmm. which is along the side. So you're treating those fascial lines, you're treating that gallbladder sinew channel. It's all pretty much the same thing. So that was like a really cool experience for me because I like I never, I never I knew that it existed, but once I saw it, I was just like, wow, like he's doing like a gallbladder meridian treatment. Like somebody who had no that didn't have any of that neurofunctional education would be able to see that. That's interesting. And there's something wrong with this guy's gallbladder meridian. So yeah. the comparison is 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 there. It's just how your how your understanding is and how you explain it. In terms of explaining, I took on a lot of movement courses and those would ascribe to like Western terminology. And then I took a course last fall that was Eastern and it was so fascinating because Mm -hmm. they were explaining their rationale for how the body, because we, again, like when it comes to movement, if your knee hurts, we look at patterns. We Mm -hmm. don't look at your knee. That's not super helpful um you have to look at the whole chain and then you even have to like look up through the torso and the shoulder and mm-hmm. where's your head oriented yep. but anyway um in that course they used uh, the eastern labeling it was really interesting because they called certain things life gates 
Mm. And it was funny to me because in our Western model, we'd say, oh no, that's where that joint is centrated or that is where the domes of the body are. Like we would describe the foot dome, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, and then the soft palate. Mm -hmm. Those are your domes. And um, in there, they called them life gates exact same ones and in yoga i'm not educated in yoga they have another term for it don't remember the name for it but either way i was just really fascinated i was like oh there's the overlap i get it (laughs) and so yeah although they were talking about things like chi which most of us are just you know if we've been brought up with only western influence just sounds way too hokey Mm -hmm. to be relevant or real but it was really interesting to see that overlap i was like oh they're saying the exact same thing about where your tongue should be and where Mm -hmm. your head should be in order to get your neck and shoulders in the right place but they're using completely different terms exactly yeah how do you explain it with a client or patient that's been sent to you that's a little bit they're open because they're Mm -hmm. in your room obviously but they're a little bit i guess hesitant about it so how do you describe that to them yeah, uh, so I get that question quite a bit. And my, the best way that I have been able to do it is explaining it in terms that people understand. And then I show the overlap. Like for the fascial, fascial systems, one example where they're almost identical to the um, sinew channels that were created 2,000 years ago. So I show them a diagram. I go, look, you're familiar with the fascial system. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. I said, this is the newest, you know, this is the newest fad thing. Um, that everybody's buying into and this came from roots in Chinese medicine or they'll people ask me like oh well my chiropractor does acupuncture and he says that Chinese medicine isn't based in facts or science and so I will show them the points that are based in science and that those points are exactly where Chinese medicine points are Mm -hmm. they didn't maybe they didn't understand the the nervous system and how it worked but they kind of did they understood where these lines go. They knew the um, the meridians and all the points are almost exactly where the nerves lie and where the where the where the nerves go. And you can that's why you can address a stomach issue with a point on your ankle because that nerve leads straight to the area, right to the area of the the spinal innervation, and then goes to the the stomach. So you can you can treat points on the feet to treat the stomach. You can treat points in the right hand to treat the left hand. Well, now science tells us that if you have a cast on your right arm and it's broken and you do exercises with your left hand, that right hand is going to increase, increase in strength and it's going to increase in um, nerve response. So how is that possible? So that explained to me, as soon as I saw that study, I was like, well, that explains exactly why you can treat the left hand and it, it can make the pain in the right hand go away. Yeah, yeah exactly. The mirroring. And yeah, I thought that was pretty amazing. And then in very simplistic terms, it's like people with trap tightness, mm-hmm. right? You look at where the trigger points are, it's gallbladder 21. It's like bingo right there. Did they know why necessarily? Did they know that that was a trigger trigger point? No, they just said, hey, this spot got rid of pain and released neck tension and headaches and all this other stuff. So it's like, there you go. Yeah, it really just seems to me like it's just this kind of like evolution through time of mm-hmm. medicine. We're like, okay, this is the information we had at the time, and we just looked at patterns and we followed it. Yep. And then as we had the technology, you can get more precise. It just kind of we started communicating it in different Definitely. ways, even though it was really all coming from the same 
education. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's 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 certain things in Chinese medicine. I mean, if you ask somebody what I'm doing today, 20 years ago, they'd be like, yeah, whatever, buddy. This is this is like hokey, mm-hmm. bogus stuff. But now you have you have doctors using acupuncture, you have physiotherapists, you have chiros, and they're 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 doing some cool things with it. But those things were stemmed from Chinese medicine. It's the same. It's it's same but different. Yeah. It's just how you address it. So. There is traditional Chinese medicine acupuncture. Are there other types of acupuncture as well? So Chinese medicine acupuncture is like it's like this umbrella term, and so within that you have a lot of different specialties. Like there's there's people that focus on uh, gynecology. There's scalp acupuncture. There's people that literally just do scalp acupuncture, mm-hmm. and that treats a lot of uh, neurological disease, post stroke. There's auricular, which is ear. Some people literally just do ear points. There's like there's a ton of ear points, over like 200 if you really want to get down to it, like in the ear. So there's lots of different subsets of, of Chinese medicine acupuncture, um, but they're all based on the theory of Chinese medicine. So yin, right. yang, excess deficiency, that kind of stuff. And some of the newer acupunctures, or acupunctures, some of the newer types of acupuncture, types of acupuncture <laughs> um, they're actually more based in, in science. They, a lot of these courses that, I, that I've taken even the scalp acupuncture course, they really try to bring out the research. Mm-hmm. And in China, there's a lot of research, but there, there's not a whole lot here because why would somebody do a research project or a research study on Chinese medicine? Yeah. How, who's that going to benefit and how, who's that going to make money for? Yeah, that's fair. And how do you do it? Because you can't, you can't double blind. How do you double blind an acupuncturist doing a treatment? <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, you can't really do that. Yeah. Yeah, surgeries you can double blind just knock <laughs> the person out yeah. acupuncture not so much not so much with that said like the, the style of acupuncture that i do is incorporating a lot of these different um, acupuncture techniques that i've learned and use them together because that's mm-hmm. the best way to do it. and that's mm-hmm. when it's a medicine rather than just a modality because mm-hmm. right? the difference is you go to if you go to somebody who practices or is an acupuncture provider they know acupuncture on they base it on anatomical, some of the nervous system, but it's essentially a modality. They use it alongside physiotherapy, alongside chiropractic, mm-hmm. alongside whatever mm-hmm. they're, they're doing, massage. But when you're going to an acupuncturist, it's, it's more of a medicine because you're taking the whole picture into play, not just, oh, this person has elbow pain. Oh, it could be a shoulder, it could be this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's part of what I do. But also I'm looking at your, how's your sleep? How's your digestion? Mm-hmm. How is your stress levels? And addressing those and saying like that people will be like, well, how does that have anything to do with my my back pain? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, when did this back pain start? Like, oh, you know, I was at work. I've been really stressful. And I go, bingo, <laughs> you know, and, and that's a lot me, to do with it. And that strikes to me as one of the main things, main differences between maybe Western medicine and Eastern medicine or osteopathy is that these older practices really take into consideration how the different systems of the body are affecting one another as opposed to Western where it's like, here's the system. Yeah. What's wrong with the system? Let's fix that system. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's that. the only that system. And that's, yeah. that's actually uh, to piggyback off what you asked before is like, what made you want to switch out of medical? And it's exactly that. Like I saw people coming in with the same thing. Say I'd see them over and over again. I'd be like, Oh yeah, let's load them up with steroids. Let's do this. I see them a month and a half later. I'm like, what the hell? What are we doing wrong here? There's something missing. Like, yeah. There's something out there. There has to be something out there that can that can help these people. Mm-hmm. And 
then you just herniate your neck and you're good to go to figure it out. Bingo bongo. <laughs> In a roundabout way, it all worked out for you. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting to watch the learning process that even within some of my own injuries ages ago, I get so frustrated because I think, well, what did I do yesterday at the gym? Okay, what did I do this whole week? Let's find the pattern. Let's find the pattern. And okay, maybe I did too much of this or maybe my workday was too long. And I'd, I'd try to figure out like an exact movement stimulus and then eventually would start to realize I'm like, oh, no, it's just been going too hard too long in too many domains. Oh, it's not the gym at all. It's these other things or my neck is like, Oh, I changed my pillow and all of a sudden that's better. It was all those little X factors. So it's always interesting watching clients finally start to appreciate Mm -hmm. that. You know what? Not having water, definitely not going to feel so good with your tissues. High, high stress, poor sleep. Like you cannot think your way through those things. They will eventually sort of knock you down. But having said that, when it comes to your main patient population, what are you seeing more of? So I see, like I said, I see probably like 90, 95% orthopedic pain, mm-hmm. sports injuries. And so how I approach those is fairly different than a lot of other acupuncturists or um, therapists out there. And that I'm always looking for that, that why, that, that root of where things went wrong. Because when people come in, say they have a shoulder issue like it's very rare that it unless it was a blunt trauma that that just happens right you, you don't just get tendonitis in your shoulder you don't just get tendonitis wherever anything with an itis you don't just get it randomly <laughs> something happened over time to put you in that position exactly isn't that the technical definition of itis it's like something that went super wrong with something over repeated abuse yeah. there's, <laughs> there's something trying to fix something but you're not allowing you're it not to. Letting it. So that's that's what I look for, and I say to people, like even people come in with um, like tennis elbow or lower back pain, or I had a patient with bilateral SI joint um, degeneration. Mm-hmm. So she's gone to multiple therapists. They've told her that that is the problem. That's where the pain is. The the X-ray showed that it's you know it's not completely um, fused, but there's some inflammation there. And I said okay, I'm going to do this treatment and I'm not even going to touch your SI joint. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. And she's like, what? Like, that's weird. Like, what's the point of me coming here? And so I said, okay, just trust me. Like, we'll do one session and I'll, I'm going to check everything out and we'll, we'll, see, we'll talk after that. So we did the assessment and sure enough, she's had, we get back to the history and she had um, a hamstring tear when she was five years old. So her dad told her, that she walked funny for years mm-hmm. and she was told she has some scoliosis. It was clearly like functional scoliosis, but that pattern never got changed. And so over the years it got worse and worse and worse. So then you're stuck in that position. Portion, yeah. And so that right SI joint was the worst one that she had pain in every single day. And I said, that's not your, I don't think that's your problem. I'm not going to tell you for hundred percent, but I'm like, I'm not going to treat that. So we addressed, where her compensations were happening over the years, she was told it was a twisted pelvis that she needed adjustments in. So I said, okay, that's, I, I tried to get her understanding what was going on. I said, okay, that's your understanding. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, we're going to try something different. And so uh, we treated twice, two treatments. And her, her pelvis felt 
for to her felt like it was completely at level she had no pain in her si joint i didn't touch her si joint mm -hmm. so it's like so then that conversation becomes how did that happen how what do you mean like how did you how do, how do i not have any pain in my si joint you didn't touch my si joint well, the problem's not coming from your SI joint. It's the years of you being in this position, functionally moving different. You're, you play multiple sports. You're, you're, you're dysfunctional mm -hmm. in those movements. And so we went to fix how that, or fix the dysfunction there, and the pain goes away. Mm -hmm. So. Dysfunction in the pattern. Dysfunction in the pattern. I think that's key. Yeah. Exactly. Like where the pain is is not necessarily, that's just what's been taking the brunt mm -hmm. of an overall overall pattern exactly. yeah and yeah. so she also had shoulder pain on the opposite side and and Always. decreased range of motion mm -hmm. so i said I, I made sure i assessed that first and then afterwards i said well let's just we treated the hip mm -hmm. and the lower back on the on the on that side and i said let's just see if mm -hmm. it did anything and sure enough full range of motion mm -hmm. full strength and she was just like whoa <laughs> what the hell just happened and then, and that's a, yeah. an amazing teaching experience because you're like, do you see how we can make changes to the body? Mm -hmm. Like this, this inflammation doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. All that tells me is that you've been moving or this has been loaded incorrectly for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Like me putting needles into that is going to help maybe in the short term. Yeah. But if you go back out and you play volleyball and you play golf and exactly. that's dysfunctional. Yeah you're going to keep coming back. And that's not how I run my practice. I don't want to see people forever. I do, but I don't. No, we're the exact same way. We want people to understand enough about their bodies that they can go and move and eat in whatever environment they're in confidently, exactly. right? And and not believe that, oh, my low back is broken because it's always hurt this way. It's like, no, it hurts that way because of the way you move. I, I see a lot of, you mentioned running and volleyball and things like that. I see a lot of runners will go get treatment for an area, but nobody trains them how to run again because yeah. it's just assumed incorrectly that, oh, well, our bodies know how to run. That is absolutely incorrect. And, and the same is true with lifting. We have a lot of clients who lift and like, oh, well, I got better through treatment. And then, you know, six months in or six weeks into lifting again, I hurt again. It's like, well, the problem was always the pattern. It wasn't anything beyond that. So it's um, awesome when you get clients who can resolve that quickly because their nervous system was responsive to it, but also that they were open to it and like, oh, great. Yeah. It's actually very nice when clients get to be or patients are uh, graduated and sent on their way 100%. for good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And, and Chinese medicine works the same way, but it it also looks at internal disorders, yeah. right? So what's happening there is there's a dysfunctional pattern happening there too, whether you have uh, indigestion, um, constipation, diarrhea, whatever it may be. The goal isn't to treat the constipation. The goal is to treat the pattern causing the constipation. So a lot of people with constipation will be that hot natured person that person who's maybe not robust but just like always warm always moving you know you ask like i'm always hungry all this stuff there's heat 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 and what does heat do well heat dries water so that's happening in your bowels so when you get rid of that heat all of a sudden the bowels can move properly mm -hmm. and there will be there'll be water in there and, and move properly and the opposite for diarrhea a lot of times with ibs you have a cold pattern Right? It's people that are like cold natured, cold feet, cold hands and feet. Maybe they're eating a lot of uh, raw foods. That's another thing that adds was you're adding more cold into the system. Yeah. It's like you see it and then you see this pattern. You're like, this person's okay. Let's just, let's just figure this out in a very simplistic way. 
they're cold, they have diarrhea, they're eating raw foods a lot. Uh, all these things are cold, 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 cold. How do you fix it? Warm it, <laughs> right? If you put if you put pasta into a cold pot of water and try to break it down, you like this is like the digestive system. It's not going to break it down. So when it comes out, it's just trying to get rid of it because it's mm -hmm. not in its and it's not stool. It's still form. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's that's how um, Chinese medicine looks at it, and it's like very effective. It's it's simple, but it, it's complicated, but simple at the same time. Yeah. It's like something's cold, add heat. <laughs> if something something's too hot, you get rid of heat. Stop eating cinnamon. Stop spicy food. Right. I'm dying over here. <laughs> that is. I mean, I'm just going to take that little snippet and like, that's how we're going to like push this podcast out to the world. It's really simple guys. If you're cold, just be hot. And if you're hot, just be cold. Simple. And that's going to solve everything. So <laughs> it's incredible. And that's the power of like these specialists in Chinese medicine. They can like, I do more of the, the physical, but, yeah. but there are way smarter people out, out there doing way better things, you know? So, um, they're really good at identifying these patterns and treating with herbs and also acupuncture. So. Can you speak to the difference between acupuncture and dry needling? Or is it the same thing? So it depends on who you ask, but no, I, I, I don't identify as the same thing. So dry needling to me is originally what it was, was treating trigger points, treating sore muscles. You, you basically just, here's a muscle that's sore or here's a muscle with uh, trigger points. Let's put some deep needles into it. It's progressed into the form of more trigger point therapy now. Um, it, but again, it completely depends on who you ask. Like there's dry needlers out there that I remember I was at a course and I said to the, one of the, he was a chiropractor and I said, so what, how do you, like, how do you practice your acupuncture? And he's like, well, I just put a needle where it hurts and I wiggle it around. And I was like, God, oh my God. and he's seeing 20 people a day with, with this dry needling. And so for me, dry needling is putting a needle where it hurts or, you know, essentially putting it into a trigger point and releasing it. But if you're not identifying why those are there in the first place, yeah. you're peeing into the proverbial wind, as I say. <laughs> so just to help people out there who are looking for like a good practitioner, like a real acupuncturist. So how do we find someone like you and not someone who's just sticking a needle in a muscle and wiggling right. it around a little bit? Is there a credential or is there something people can look for? It's uh, yeah. So it's like right now, acupuncture and uh, providers are in this weird place where acupuncture providers they can't treat a chinese medicine diagnosis so they can't treat internal disorders mm -hmm. so if you're going to an acupuncturist for just simply dry needling you just want to go get a couple needles release a muscle fine you can most of those people can put a needle where it hurts and wiggle it around i feel like i could do that <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are it's it's very tough because there's like there's some physiotherapists that are really good at like neurofunctional acupuncture through McMaster. So those guys are really good at some of the physical stuff. Um, if you're looking for a more complete medicine, then acupuncturist is where you want to go because it's a medicine, it's not a modality. And so that we can look at not only like physical ailments, but what's what's going on, what else is going on in the body that's 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 contributing to these. And so I like had a perfect example last week where somebody came to me for, it was a muscular issue, right-sided hip pain. But then as we were talking, I said, any other issues? No, no, no. So then I go into my questions. It's like, how's your, do you have any headaches? Do you have any of this? Yeah, I have headaches. Uh, they get worse when it's damp outside, when it's rainy. When I eat some, some dairy, I said, are you eating a lot of dairy? No, not a whole lot. So I said, okay, let's just, let's just stop eating the dairy for a while. I'm going to do some points to clear out 
some dampness. She comes back in. She says, I haven't had a headache for the first time in like two years. So simple stuff like that you cannot get from an acupuncture provider or a dry needler. It's simply physical. That's helpful because we do have a, we have a good friend who is a, a very talented therapist and he will use acupuncture and stim yep. in conjunction with his uh, manual practices, but he would distinguish similarly, right? Acupuncturists versus mm. uh, provider. Um, so that's helpful because I think a lot of people um, do confuse the two and I had a question with regards to pain management and dry needling because uh, we work with a lot of pain population people in obviously our scope of practice. And one of the biggest things I've seen is dry needling being used on people who are in a, what would constitute chronic pain pattern. And my opinion is pretty strong about that because I think all it does is anger the nervous system further. And I, and that is evidenced by people having panic-type breathing patterns, crying during treatment, and going into more or less a, a bit of a shutdown. Mm-hmm. And um, But I know some other people rave about dry needling. But for the chronic pain population, is is that something that you, you do deal with chronic pain, but is that something that you would advise against dry needling, but more into the acupuncture side of things? Because that, I mean, my understanding is you guys actually treat very far away like the SI mm-hmm. pain person you treat everywhere else in the global the pattern exactly so mm-hmm. you take the nervous system out of like you we don't attack the area that hurts so you address it um, in a gentler fashion yeah exactly so if there's an area that's of chronic inflammation or even if there's no inflammation at all it's just this pain loop when you put needles into that area you're putting more stimulus into an area that's already hyperstimulated it's the alarm system's already on high and you're putting more into it so it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do it that way and again like chronic pain neuropathies uh, all those are treated in my opinion much better with with the chinese medicine approach because the issue isn't exactly what's going on at that painful area it's elsewhere so if you can treat you know neuropathy of the foot by treating the hand you can't do that with dry needling you just can't. You try to put you try to put needles in somebody with neuropathy in their in their feet, and it could get a lot worse. They could feel nothing at all. But yeah. why would you if you don't have to? <laughs> if you have an area with uh, decreased sensitivity, blood flow, and all that, and you're putting needles into it, you're you're risking all kinds of different things: infection. You're risking poor recovery, um, and then that that could be that a person could be stuck in that worsening pain mm-hmm. uh, mode if the, if it's not treated right. Yeah. And don't put electrostim on it either. Yeah. <laughs> So I think we spoke a little bit of this earlier that when you go to see a, an acupuncturist for the first time, the assessment might be a little bit different. What can somebody expect if they're going to see you or an acupuncturist for the first time and how might it differ and what are the expectations? It'll probably, it'll probably differ from <clears throat> therapist to therapist. Uh, for me, I, because I treat mostly orthopedic, I do a very thorough orthopedic test. Mm-hmm. I see how people move. I see how people um, react to stimulus. I see muscle testing all those things and then i usually incorporate some form of we call it the 10 questions in chinese medicine but it's more like okay basically doing a scan of the whole body any issues with your head any issues with your chest breathing you find and then you find things that maybe they weren't even aware of right or they're aware of but they're not cognizant of them it's like oh yeah i have had this for you know i can't i haven't been able to sleep for two years like well you just said you had no sleep problems in your intake so 
So it's a little more detailed, but like I said, mine incorporates more of a, um, an orthopedic assessment. Whereas if you're to go to a, a straight TCM acupuncturist, you're going to, you're probably gonna get a lot of questions about uh, everything basically from head to toe, yeah. how your bowels move, how, how your urines, um, any headaches, every, basically everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very thorough. And then they'll look at your tongue, feel your pulse mm-hmm. and tell you some weird stuff about yourself. You probably didn't even know. Sounds about right. <laughs> it's going to get real deep. Yeah, exactly. um, so we have a few wrap-up questions. What is the most impactful book you've read in the last year? Most impactful book in the last year. Uh, there was a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Yes, a, we've had that mentioned a few times. Your Body uh, Keeps the Score. Yeah, it's uh, a really good Bessel book. Bessel van der something. Colk. Yeah. Colk, sure. Well, 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 I mean, it's in the other room. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that was a really good one because it, there's a lot of uh, that those kind of books where it doesn't take into account uh, like research and 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 frame it in a way that people can easily understand. And that was a really good book on looking at how things happen in your past and how they can affect you now and how th- how you think. That maybe you processed it, but you didn't process it, and that and that's that can translate into physical, mental, everything. So when I'm doing my assessment, there's a huge part of it that's history. Yeah. Tell me what happened here. Like, oh no, I had I had nothing. I have had no injuries. I'm good. Like, okay, um, how come your ankle is floppy when I test it? Like, oh yeah, I had like a really bad sprain when I was in high school. Like, I couldn't walk on it for like three months. Well, that's part of the history that's led you to here. Right. Yeah. So that was a really good book. It kind yeah. of. That's a great book. Yeah. It, it really is, and and um, he um, very succinctly marries the emotive with the physical, which I think people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. Yeah. So it's good for for that piece too. And that also explains some of those times where I'd be treating people with acupuncture and they just like break out in crying or anger or when you hit a certain point that's tender that yeah. they've seen five specialists for and they don't know what it is and then you hit a point and it's just like whoa what the hell? first time i saw that i was like whoa what's happening here yeah trauma and the nervous system is like a whole thing definitely yeah it tells a story your body doesn't forget things um and i think we should actually start listing our book recommendations on the website because i think the body keeps the score is probably number one on on the list. I think it's yeah, it's three times now. So I think we should start keeping a top health book recommendations on our website for for people who come along. I also read Mr. Turtle with my uh, niece last week, which was pretty good too. Tight, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, Mr. Turtle. Um, what is your one non-negotiable daily self-care tool? Self-care tool. Brush my teeth. Oral hygiene is incredibly important. That's where the digestive tract begins, folks. 100%. Brush them teeth. My mom's a dental hygienist. She would love this. Yeah, absolutely. Brush my teeth. I can't leave the house without brushing my teeth. Oh, Are you a one time a day, it. two times twice a day, twice a day? And I found these these picks like for floss. Like I, the flossing was always no, nobody ever told me to floss when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, but using those like picks with like the floss on it, jackpot. Are they the Cure Prox ones? Um, I don't know. Because those are awesome. Wait, hold on. Are you talking about the like white plastic ones with the actual band of floss yes, and then the pick absolutely. at the end? Oh, okay, those. those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. Those are good. No, those are really good, but sh- but we know something better. Really? Uh, yeah, we're going to have to show you the Cureprox because 
it changes it changes flossing instead of instead of jamming things down you get right between the base oh, i think i've seen that they're so good though. oh yeah well like they are metal but yeah they're steel they're swiss so swiss. apparently the swiss good. know a lot about a lot about watches and tooth care yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't know how people don't brush their teeth like i see oh i see people, especially at nighttime like as people go see people going to bed i'm like what's wrong you how do you sleep how do you live it's gross how do you even live like that viscerally upsets me yeah right <laughs> oh yeah um so if you had five minutes with someone what one thing would you try and impart to help them with their well-being um first is education because i think i think educating them on on like what we talked about on why these things are happening rather than focusing on the individual diagnosis itself or the MRI that they've received, or whatever it may be, the diagnosis itself doesn't really matter to me. It's it's can we improve how you move? Can we improve how you sleep? Improve your digestion? All those things. If you can improve all improve all those, you're going to be in a way better position than if not. So identifying all of those and educating them on how that can improve their current situation is probably the most important. Awesome. Yeah, spoken like a great practitioner. Though. That's <laughs> that is some good stuff. Uh, and finally, with that being said, where can people find you? Um, so I'm in two clinics. I'm um, my my business is called Poke Acupuncture, um, and I'm in South Etobicoke, Parklawn, Lakeshore area, and also in Port Credit. I'm there three days a week, and I'm in Etobicoke twice a week. And your Instagram handle? Acutherapy Mike, and uh, I post some good stuff on there. So check it out. <laughs> I was wondering when I saw your website. I'm like, is that? Poke acupuncture oh, or poke? Yeah. The it's amount like of times ball. I get, yeah, exactly. The amount of times I actually have gotten that recently, I'm like, I gotta refigure this out. Well, you gotta blame like, the food. Yeah, I'm here for breakfast. Uh, dude, I don't have tuna. Po- I don't have yeah. poke balls. Prior to those bowls being popular, that wouldn't have been an issue. They ruined me. <laughs> Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, no, it's gonna. I'm gonna be doing some changes to all that soon. Uh, it's gonna be a name change, and um, yeah, it should be. A, it'll be different, but um, I didn't realize that people would have so much confusion with it. It's spelled right, so people yeah, can still find like, you. It's yeah, no issue. There's no accent aigu, folks. Did you take French class? Il n'y a pas d'accent aigu ici. Can understand maybe if American thought that, but like. <laughs> Uh, is this poke acupuncture? <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I said there's no accent aigu. Yeah, there's no accent aigu. Did you go to school? <laughs> that's excellent. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I think that is uh, an excellent podcast for anybody who is interested in acupuncture or Chinese medicine or just basically helping their health out. So, awesome. All right. Thanks, thanks again for, for stopping by. And everybody, go visit Mike at poke acupuncture. <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.